Hello, welcome to the Love Rosie podcast, the show discussing the 2014 film Love Rosie, five minutes at a time, with Helen Asprey and Luke Allen. That's cringy. Um. <laughs> oh, we could just start it with this conversation we're having right now. Um, <laughs> that works hey guys, too. My name is uh, Helen Asprey. <laughs> Well, let's, let's just go with that. Why don't you just tell everyone who you are? Okay, my name's Ellen Asprey, and this is a podcast about Love, Rosie. I'm, I'm Luke Allen. Some of the listeners may know me from Two Minutes About Time or Christmas Actually. Or please be seated if they're old, old listeners from my first show. Um, but yeah, this is... Haven't improved much, but it's fine. I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> no, it's probably true. Um, but yeah, this is this is the love rosie podcast uh ellen Mm -hmm. do you want to say anything more about who you are (laughs) um this is my first full podcast but i have been on two other podcasts as a guest wait yeah for the last episodes of two other shows (laughs) yeah and it was really it was really difficult because i had no idea what to do and it was the last bit of the film and both films i've never seen before so that was kind of (laughs) a struggle (laughs) Yeah, if people want to hear more of us not knowing what we're doing, they can listen to the Christmas Actually finale and uh, the don't last do three it. episodes Just don't do of it The Room Minute, which I assume will be out now because at time of recording then next week. So I don't know when we're releasing this, but I, they might be out by now. Um, Maybe. Who knows? So, Love, Rosie, how did you first mm-hmm. come by this film? Because <laughs> you, you you persuaded me to watch this. I yeah. had very little knowledge of it. So what, what made you come across this? Uh, late night... I think it was on Netflix at the time. Late night Netflix, you know, little look through. And I was like, okay, I'll watch this. And then I cried so much. In it. <laughs> Some uh, of the best films yeah. are that. Just the ones you randomly find with mm-hmm. like no expectation that they're going to be any good. Mm-hmm. And I knew Lily Collins from The Mortal Instruments. I don't know if you've seen that. Have you seen that? I've, I've heard of that. Uh, I, I, I watched her in that. And it. I kind of liked that film. It was awful. But like I was really young when I watched that. So that's what I knew her from. Yeah, um, for me, the main thing I knew her from was the Les Mis series a couple of years ago where she played Fontaine. Oh, yeah. um, and I think that's was it. Was she so good in that? I, yeah, I really liked her in that. I think she's See, one I... of my favourite Fontaines. See, um, I didn't, I don't, I haven't watched it. I think I've watched a, like an hour of it. Yeah, because there was the there was the original musical film, which listeners of my other shows will know I really like. I'm a big Lamers fan. Uh, so the original 2012 musical film, which is great, and then the BBC decided to adapt the book into an eight part series, eight part maybe six part. I don't know. I watched it, um, <laughs> and um, it was very mixed reception. I don't think I don't think it went that close to the book. I'll have to ask my sister. She's read well, is reading the book. It's it's about two thousand pages long. The book. It's, I was going to say it's, it's probably long, very long. long oh. Thing. Um, they call it the brick, um, and it's. I don't think it goes that much, but it goes closer to the book than to the musical. And she plays Fontaine, who was Anne Hathaway's character in the film, and oh, okay. she was really, really good at it. And Did she sing? No, because uh, oh. yeah, it was just a a, a, a version of a, a drama version of the musical. Oh, really. okay. Um, but See, was, I don't know anything. No, sorry. I I liked it. And I think Fontaine, minor spoilers for Lamers, but not really. It's the it's like the start of it. Fontaine goes through a very similar journey to Rosie does uh, in a way. Okay. In a, well, probably closer to what Rosie does in the book than in the film. But it's in terms of her 
having a relationship with a guy who then leaves her and leaves her pregnant to look after the child on her own and all of that stuff. And it's like, so when I was watching Love Rosie first time around, I was like, it's Fontaine just doing Fontaine. Um, but I also had no idea that she was American. <laughs> which was... Oh, So I watched that interview that you sent to me and she kind of sounds a little bit like she's from Texas, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Where, is she, where is she from? When I first watched Love Rosie, like you said, I had no idea she was American. Her accent is so spot on, but then I did mm. realise that she was actually British at some point. Maybe like a really young, she had a British accent, so it kind of just rooted back. And that's why she was so good at it. Her, her dad's British. Uh, her father is Phil Collins from Genesis. So he he's kind of famously British. So I guess she gets the accent from him. But what I love is that she does a different British accent in Les Mis than she does in this. Like, it's not just that she has one. I just can't like... even change my British accent. No, it was just, it was only like slightly different, but it was enough for me to be like, whoa, it's not just an American who can do a British accent, it's an American who can do multiple British accents. Um, Pretty impressive. Yeah, so you persuaded me to watch this, I think after Mm -hmm. I forced you through about time uh, (laughs) around Christmas, um, and you said it was very tonally similar, and it was, and I'm not quite sure why. I guess it might just be the kind of... The, the, the overall pacing because they both yeah, take place the, over kind of yeah. similar lengths of time yeah i, I did and they're both rom-coms I yeah mean, rom-coms are all very similar i would and say yeah you could say but yeah you're not normally a rom-com fan but this no, one stood out yeah, to you one. in in some yeah. way so something made it different mm-hmm. i think it was just like just the sadness that she oh i don't know mm. i just i like lily collins quite a lot and i also just I like the character she played. It seemed really real, and I liked that. Because rom-coms are always, mm. you know, very typical. And I guess the ending was very typical, but it was just, it was just quite nice. Yeah, I, I think, I think it's very much from the beginning. You, you're pretty sure how it's going to end, but yeah. it's kind of the, the the journey to get there that's, that's well. That's I mean, important. they make that obvious when they hold hands. Mm. Yeah, and they tease it a lot, which I think is yeah. brilliant. Like it, it, it keeps like, oh, now they're getting together. Now the chemistry goes, and now he's off getting married again. Yeah. And so, yeah, obviously, do they do that in the novel. I didn't read it. Yes, they do. They do. Yeah, um, I I cheated by audiobooking it, but oh, okay. I I worked my way through it. I have the physical one at hand. It was it's very good. I like it. But this take whereas the film takes place over twelve years, the novel is fifty five years. Yeah, it's <laughs> so all through their life. Different. I did, yeah. But, I'm not yes. sure who wrote uh, Love Rosie or Ra- After Rainbows. What's it called? Um, do you uh, so the the do you mean of the book or of the... yeah the the book um, the, the book was originally published as Where Rainbows End Where and Cecilia yeah. Ahern, um, yeah. who is a lot younger than I thought. She's like quite a young <laughs> writer. How old is she? I sh- let me find out. <laughs> uh, these are sort of things where I keep making these comments and for some reason not expecting the obvious one. So now she's 39. So okay. when the film oh, wow. came out, she would have been kind of in her 30s. But like, P.S. I Love You was and 2007. Like, she would have been like in her 20s. That's, that's you know, impressive. That is impressive. To have written a book that's already become a successful film at that point is pretty mm-hmm. great. And like, um, I'm reading a book at the moment and it's called The Silent Patient. And I was reading it and I'm like, this is going to be such a good film. And I was actually so tempted to just kind of write it as a script, but it's actually turning into a motion picture. So that's really annoying. So I can't do that. 
but <laughs> excited to see the film at least yeah if it's right if, if it's okay just before we go in i'd like to talk about two films that i think influenced the existence of love rosie i have no evidence of whether this is true or not but i'm pretty sure Okay. Um, I tried to watch one of them last night and then I decided to go to sleep about half an hour in, and I haven't seen the rest, yeah. uh, which is When Harry Met Sally, which okay, is yeah. a classic Rob Rayner, Nora Ephron rom-com. But the entire premise uh, is, can a man and a woman ever just be friends? Is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. That's not true. I have a number of men friends and there is no sex involved. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Only think you do. And mm-hmm. I feel like that as an idea, especially as one of the most well-known and successful rom-coms of all time, probably slid in some influence one way or another. And the other film is uh, Bridget Jones's Diary. Bridget Jones. I don't think so, no. Maybe even as much as the book influencing the book, because Bridget Jones, as a as a novel, apparently, I watched a documentary about it, and now I'm pretending I'm an expert. Um, Bridget Jones, as a novel, had a kind of a big influence among female-led romantic novels, and the idea of representing the woman as um, not just an object for a man, but as a well-developed and f- flawed character the movie i am indifferent on i'm a massive richard curtis fan and he wrote the screenplay but also like it's my least favorite of his films uh, sorry okay. richard if you're listening um <laughs> i recommended love rosie to richard and emma the other day on twitter they were like anyone got any ideas as to as to what to watch on a relaxing evening and i was like if richard likes the sort of movies he writes then watch love rosie um, <laughs> and they liked my tweet that's as far as i can i don't know if that means yes maybe maybe, maybe i did it does maybe I'll find out that Richard Curtis is now I feel like this is a film he's probably watched like mm, yeah I think it's very similar to some of the films he's done like you know rom-com but then also does Richard Curtis well actually no because I guess Bridget Jones is about Bridget Jones and like most of his rom-coms are kind of about men yeah well a lot of his yeah a lot I think the ones I could be proven wrong probably but as far as I'm thinking the ones that he's written have been male-led but the, mm-hmm. he then wrote the screenplay for Bridget, which makes sense. Like as a male writer, it oh, makes yeah. sense to write male-led stuff, as I do the same. Um, mm-hmm. But well, that's yeah, how you it's... connect with most, isn't it? Yeah, whatever you like best. Like, well, it's as people say, write write what you know, and Richard's yeah. most known for that because he he lives in Notting Hill and wrote a movie called Notting Hill. Like there <laughs> is, <laughs> it's pretty blatant. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's kind of that that may be all the setting up that we have to that we have to do. But I was trying to set the scene. Um, I could have given some facts about the book if I thought about it. When was the book written? Uh, that's probably a thing to discuss. The thing um, is, we haven't even spoken about Love Rosie that much. <laughs> no, that's very true. Uh, Where Rainbows End was written in and released in two thousand and four. So ten years before the film came out, uh, I believe Love Rosie was twenty fourteen. Uh, the book it was. came out, and it's I like it. I don't know whether it was uh, it received much popularity. Um, well, I mean, yeah. the book must have because they made it a film. Yeah. So I'm just I don't know I don't understand how it's such a small film. What did it get on in box office? Yeah, we can make this sound lovely and smooth in the edit where we're like instantly Hopefully. just saying. We'd like, Hopefully. well, in the box office, it got da 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 da, and it's just okay, okay, okay. I say nothing, but it got twenty five point five million 
from box office. But um, what was so that's depending quite on what it's well, what's its budget? Because it was as as we've mm. been told, if, unless it makes it three times back, which it probably doesn't. Uh, I can't find its budget. I can't find its budget either. On no, on another note, though, on another note, it's thirty two percent Rotten Tomatoes. That is awful. That is so low. That is very low. And I think it's quite a good film. I would say it's an enjoyable film. Yeah, um, it's 7.2 on IMDb, so that's good. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Hmm. It's odd, because as I think we've kind of realised, it's hard to separate it from other rom-coms as to what makes it better, but it yeah. just feels it. It it may even be that... I mean, I don't know when... How, how long ago did you first see it, is, I guess, is the question? Uh, a few years ago. Okay. So, it, like so it's not even necessarily that it hit us at the right point in life then if you first saw it a couple of years ago. But yeah, I think there's there's something rather interestingly, there's something very quintessentially British about it, mm-hmm. which is very strange considering the lead actress is American, the director's German, it's based on an Irish novel and filmed in Ireland and Canada. <laughs> so there there is no reason for it to feel quintessentially British. I know. But it does. It does. It's. I think it kind of... It's just it's very I think it's a very British film. The sets, everything. It just looks British, feels British, everything about it. Yeah. Which um, I like. A couple of the interviews with the cast that I was listening to, um they they talked a lot about Richard Curtis being like behind their favourite rom coms, so I'm guessing there's that influence. But I need to <laughs> shut up about Richard Curtis. That's just the thing um that I should do. Um so, I mean, have we got any more comments before we go straight into our first five minutes? Um, shall we say a little bit about the film? Before? Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take over to you because I don't know what's left to say. <laughs> okay, so we've got Lily Collins and Sam Claflin starring as Rosie and Alex. Um, they're two best friends. You know, it's clear that they, they've got feelings for each other, but, you know, fate tears them apart here and there. They get with other people and that just kind of brings them together as whole in the end it's bittersweet you know all of that bit of fun to watch. yeah 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 so that's a brief of the film and now we'll get into the first five minutes so uh, let's let's speed through the boring bits okay. uh lionsgate logo lionsgate yeah. are probably most known for the hunger games twilight yeah. and la la land yeah. it was then big so- films big they, films they considering yeah, I don't know. I don't know what went on with Love Rosie. Maybe the advertising <laughs> was just awful. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and then um, then we move on to the fact that it was supported by the FFF, which is Film Furnish Fonds in Bayonne. I really hope I'm getting that right. Um, which is a funding partner for the films and games industry in Bavaria. Then there's FFA, and I'm not going to try and say what that stands for because my uh, German pronunciation is. Not that good, uh, but that translates to the German Federal Film Board. And then there's the Bay, uh, the BKM. Uh, then there's another company, which translates to the Federal Government Commissioner for Culture and the Media. Um, so that, that's probably boring to everyone, but it's it's stuff to talk about uh, in case there's a few listeners who care. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, we'll have to get a few listeners full stop, but maybe some of them will care. You have the music kicking in. Iber featuring Martin Gallup with I'll Never Fall in Love Again, which was written originally by Hal David and Burt Bacharach. And as far as Very I'm aware, catchy. 
this version by Iber and Martin Gallup is the it was done especially for the film. I couldn't find any evidence of any other recording of this, so that's good. And yeah, whenever I think of Love Rosie now, like every time I talk Love Rosie, this song, song comes in my head. In in your head, yeah. And it's just mm, very it's great. catchy. It's, it's I like really the good. Song. What do you get when you fall in love? A guy with a pin burst your bubble. That's what you get for all your trouble. I never fall in love again. But the the weird thing is that a lot of the publicity and like uh, around the music for the film was the song Get Me Back which is alright, it features over the end credits I think, maybe another point, but this is the song for me, this is the Love Rosie yeah. song Yeah I think so too, um, it, it appears twice in the film or maybe multiple times Maybe, I didn't get the chance to think that <laughs> to check that all through, I'll, did I'll you did you rewatch it? Um, no. <laughs> no I started, no I started the rewatch and then uh, yeah, after my COVID test, I forgot. Oh yeah, how was that? Uh, good, negative, yeah. thankfully. Good, um, good. You're right about how quick it was. It, it was, was all really that annoying quick. faff on your phone to sort it out. Oh, that was, and then it that was, was just, so hard. <laughs> then it was just in and out, and it was like, okay, yeah. So I'm I guessing. I thought I did it wrong, but then my test came back negative. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe I did it right. This places the uh, the time period of the podcast with us talking about our COVID testing um, <laughs> to anyone listening years from now, when hopefully life is more normal. Um, so yeah, then we get the Constantine film logo, and they did mm-hmm. Seven, American Pie, and The Princess Bride, one of the most loved movies ever. Again, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very big films. You know, Seven by David Fincher, great film. Really good film. So, I don't know. Just... Advertising here mustn't have been that good. Yeah, I think so. Um, and then in comes the music. What do you get when you fall in love? The whole thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so catchy. I'm not even gonna no. Burst your bubble. That's what I, so I wrote. Some of the lyrics, and I didn't write the rest because I couldn't be bothered. Um, but I. Oh wait, you transcribed all this? Um, no, right. So there's basically the transcript of the film was just the dialogue and not even all the dialogue it didn't even say the character names and who said it so i went back added all the character names added in the music cues and stuff like that yeah wow fair play time (laughs) time consuming but i know i can imagine where did you get the time from uh, i don't know i'm sure my homework and or lack thereof will will prove that (laughs) but this was (laughs) Yeah, I I just I did it bit by bit, so I I haven't done like I think I did half. I've done half of next week's episode, so I'll get the rest done for that ASAP. Okay. Um, then we get Constantine Film presents a Constantine Film production in association with Canyon Creek Films, and Canyon Creek Films have only made Love Rosie, <laughs> but they have many other films uh. listed in pre-production or announced. So maybe. Maybe this is the year for Canyon Creek Films. Maybe maybe if people are listening a year from now, Canyon Creek Films is like the next big studio production company, whatever. Who knows? Maybe not. Maybe not. Probably not, but we never know. If you're from Canyon Creek cool. Films, get in touch. Email us. Guest on the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do that. Loverosiepod at gmail.com, I think, is an email address that I created and haven't <laughs> You done. created an email? I think so. Okay. I think so. I, I or had DM us at, at loverosiepod. Yeah, loverosiepod everywhere. If you want to email me directly, I'm luke at lukeallen.co.uk, but 
check your, we'll do all this check your spam we'll do all yeah <laughs> check your spam because uh, if i reply i end up people's spam it's not very helpful um so uh yeah and right let's get into the film this is what people are listening for is, yeah i hope so so what are you listening uh, for listeners get in touch i don't know, know. <laughs> are you even listening have you just left this running Probably and gone not. in another room this, this may be where most of our downloads come from um, are you just leaving us on to keep your dog company while you're out? Who knows? Yeah, maybe. Well, hello, dogs. I think we'd probably even bore, we'd probably bore a dog out. So, <laughs> poor dogs. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So, do you want to go on to the first bit? Because I'm not very good at acting, though. I must admit. Um, okay. Uh, take a de- take a deep breath and start at the beginning. We're at the beginning, and it comes on the screen. Tell me what tell me the first <laughs> we got to the both young on the bouncy hoppers, which I guess we talk about first. Um, so yeah, the beginning comes on screen when she says the beginning, and it's all as if it's handwritten on the screen. Um, yeah. And so, I was going to ask a question about this actually. What do you think about the film's use of narration? Because we don't get it very much. Um, I think it works. It might. It doesn't only, always work with films, but I like the beginning, it. Actually, that we get it. Yeah, I think it is only the beginning. But I feel like that first kind of shot when it kind of zooms in onto Lily Collins or Rosie, um, I think that kind of puts in perspective of why we need to have that narration going back. Yeah. So we need to start from the beginning. And I think that narration's handy to kind of get into the film. Yeah, definitely. Submerge think, us into that zone. I think it works. What are worse are the films that try and set themselves up as being narrated and then almost partway through just forget and you have like long mm-hmm. periods with no narration. About Time is pretty good at consistent narration. There is a 40 yeah. there is a 40 minute period where there isn't any but you don't realize and then it comes yeah. back in. Um but that that works. Um I'm I pre-warning listeners, I'm probably going to make a lot of comparisons to About Time. I know that film too well. <laughs> Um, but this this film will, after this show, become on my list of films I know too well. Um, I, mean, I literally watched this for the first time in January when you recommended it to me, and now I've seen it at least three times, probably coming on to four oh with my. preparing these out. So, yeah, it's it's good. And it, it, it holds up with rewatch value, considering it's been three months, oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. watching it basically once a month, I haven't felt bored. Um, yeah, no, it is, it is just a film you can always just rewatch whenever you're bored and you can't find another film. It is one of just it's just one of those films. You always need um, a couple of I films like, I like that it. for when you're just kind of mm-hmm. lounging about and you're like, I want something that I don't. Really What's another film? About. What's another film that you can do that with? Ooh. Minus Richard Curtis. Well, yeah, originally there were loads of Richard Curtis ones, but now I kind of want to preserve that. I would say the first Mamma Mia. <laughs> I think. Okay. I, I haven't seen Mamma Mia. Yeah, I'm not sure whether you'd go for it. <laughs> um, I I don't know. It's it's just I very. It's very just fun. It's like yeah. Mamma Mia is like drunk karaoke the movie basically. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 fun mostly comes from here are these celebrities and famous actors that cannot sing trying to sing ABBA <laughs> songs, and that's yeah. kind of fun. I I'm not that fussed by the stage show. Like I know my mum said a couple of times, like oh I'd love to go and see it on the West End. And it's like for me the appeal is seeing the actors who can't sing singing. When you go see it on the West End and it's just actual people who can sing, it takes away the charm a bit. Um, one of the things that came, obviously we're going to spoil the film. That is so if you haven't seen the film, be prepared yeah, that spoilers are going to happen. Yeah, but even if we spoil it, like you know what's going to happen straight yeah. from the get go because they hold hands in a tent 
as little kids and it's just i know it's somewhat wrong to uh assume that these kids are like you know children are like you know, gonna end up together but you do just that's just how yeah, it is. I think so. Shown. Like, yeah. sh- shown. Sean. <laughs> Please cut me saying Sean. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll just keep this whole this whole bit in. Depends how nice oh, I'm feeling in the no. edit. Don't, don't want to bore people out. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. Um, they say hi on the bouncy hoppers. So, um, we then, in the classroom, see them passing notes. And the teacher, who is unnamed at this point, but is credited in the credits as Miss Casey. Yeah. This is something I didn't notice, actually. And I think that's because her head is completely chopped off yeah. in the, the shot. So I, I just never noticed this before. Yeah, so she so. just says, Alex Stewart. And that is the only line from Miss Casey, who is a pretty prominent character in the book, because a big part of the book is um, them being badly behaved in school. And then when Rosie becomes older and she's looking for a job in order to provide for Katie, she ends up becoming a teaching assistant to this teacher who they hated. So her name is Miss Casey or Julie or Miss Big Nose Smelly Breath Casey in the book. Yeah, this is in the book. Yeah. Yeah. So I just so you don't get confused because none of this happens in the film. I will try my best to either say in the book or in where rainbows end if I can, but I'll probably make mistakes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But the thing is, I would say they chopped a lot from that book. But I think they... Did they keep the original roots, would you reckon? I think so. The book is very Irish, which was a surprise. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think so. I think the main tone and the main roots are there. It's hard because, especially when you've watched a film and then read the book, you're, you're picturing the events of the film anyway. Um, yeah. So I think they keep a lot of the main roots. A lot of stuff is different, and I'll I'll get through. We'll get to that as we go through. Um, may read extracts from the book if I prepare notes that detailed. Um, we don't. We don't want to confuse people. Very true. <laughs> it will confuse. It will confuse us. <laughs> um, so then Rosie says, "Tell them that ever since we shared our dreams." Um, and we do see them kind of playing about on a on a globe and pointing and stuff. And then, yeah, it's really sweet. And then the words Alex's weird dreams come up on screen. And um, also, this is probably something that I wouldn't have noticed first shot, first time watching it. But um, yeah, the tent that they're actually in, the little blanket fort, has hotel on it. Yes, I think it was yeah. so sweet. Did you did you acknowledge that on your thing, or did you acknowledge that from my notes? Is my question. I, I acknowledged it from when I watched the the, the cut clip. Okay, that's good. yeah, cause... which is interesting because I've never noticed it mm. before, but it makes so much. It was the same when after... I was making the notes. Is I was just like, oh, that's amazing, <laughs> that's so nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I like this little bits we get of of the young versions of Alex and Rosie because it does, and I think give you their full story. Yeah, and it's like he's giving. He's like saying his dreams, but they're actually inside one of her dreams. Oh, basically, yes. that is that is good. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was really sweet. Um, one of the big parts of the book, um, I won't talk overly about it, but obviously the comparisons do need to be made. Uh, one of the big parts of the book are obviously that Alex has had his dream for a while of becoming a doctor, and what they, and what they've always wanted is for someone to end up choking or having food poisoning at one of Rosie's hotels and for any, for them to then say, is there a doctor here? And for Alex to be that doctor. That's like a dream that they shared. And that's something that ends up happening at a later point in the book, which I think is actually really sweet. Um, yeah. 
I like stuff like that that kind of just comes together. A lot of the in events ways. in the film can't happen in the book directly because the book is just told through emails and letters and stuff. Yeah. So rather than having the events happen, you're having her telling Alex or telling someone else. Or sometimes things are completely ignored. So, like, you know, mm-hmm. Alex will come... You, there'll be exchange of emails that but Alex that, is going to come around for dinner. with yeah. books into films. Yeah. So. You have, like, exchange of emails that Alex is coming, coming around for dinner or something. And then the next email is, thanks for coming around for dinner. It was a great day. So you don't know the actual events of what happened, but that's quite nice and sweet. I, I think it's done really well. Leaves an open mm. open gap, I guess, for like assumptions. Until the epilogue, but I won't talk about that because that is a spoiler for the book. And I will leave the epilogue either entirely or talk about it in our very, very last episode uh, because it, it changes uh, narrative structure. Which is oh, nice Yeah, you can tell that I study English. Ooh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, sure narrative structure we've learnt from film. Yeah, well, we we both study film More and so. English, so yeah. yeah, probably yeah. Um, but, um so uh, Rosie uh, tells us ever since she had our dreams, and Alex said I had a dream had last a dream. night. Even Alex's Even weird, ones. weirdest ones. You know, a rowing no, boat, no. that curvy little bit the oar yeah. sits in. That little curvy bit the oar sits in. It's called Rollock, by the way. Oh, Rollock. <laughs> like, Bollock, with an R. That was me. I was and then Alex's weird dreams gets crossed out on the screen, and she says, no, keep that as our secret. And they hold hands, and it's lovely and sweet, and everyone yeah. in the audience is going, ah. And then we cut back to the wedding at the very, very beginning. Yeah. And Ruby, who comes in later, which will meet um, her be- Rosie's best friend, uh, under certain circumstances they met. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about that afterwards. Um, yeah, they come in to the, the wedding again. And Ruby is saying, Rosie, it's time. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're basically given... The impression that Rosie is giving a speech, and then she does. Yeah. Do you think, especially um, at this point, uh, well, maybe not with the point where she's giving a speech, but before that, are uh, she's wearing quite white colours? Are we initially to think that it's her wedding? We know, in hindsight, it's not. But do you think um, that's what they're trying to lead us on to at first? I think she just looked really sad. And I, I don't, I when I first watched it, and when I still watch it, I never really get the impression that it was her wedding. No, that's fair. I kind of, I was, I didn't really think it was a wedding, to be honest. I thought it was a party, and mm. I didn't realise it was a wedding until later on in the film. I, they, I, would, I would like to talk about the fact, though, that this is Alex's wedding, and she is mm. wearing very pale kind of white cream, almost as if she resembles the bride to Alex. Yeah. Anyway, which is yeah. lovely filmmaking. I mean, if you look at it, if you look at it from that kind of perspective, then yes, hundred percent, definitely. I should have written down who the production designer was, but I didn't think. Oh, there it. I think I got it down. Did I get it down? Maybe not. I've got IMDb. I did open. see it somewhere. I can check. <laughs> I did see it somewhere, but production design is by Matthew Davies, mm-hmm. and art direction by Fabian Jonathan. So. That all there, or costume design maybe by Leonie uh, Prendergast. So, um, I, I, I'm assuming one of them made that as a deliberate decision. If they did not, then congratulations, you've got extra credit. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I I think it's really wonderfully well done. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, do, do you... I think the film itself is very 
like it, I think it's shot very nicely. Yeah. There are some very artistic shots, I would say, you know, got the lens flare in some places. Mm. You know what I mean? But I think as a whole, it's not really an artsy film. So I don't know whether it works as well, but I think it still works as an entertainment value. I think so. We, we're we going to talk about artsiness at a later point, I'm sure. It seems yeah. to be a conversation we talk <laughs> about a lot. Um, because, I mean, we could talk about it now. Should we talk about it now or do we save it? <laughs> we... I guess so. Let's just talk about it now, get it over and done with. Okay. So uh, to any listeners who like artsy movies for the sake of artsy movies, um, yeah, I think there, there's nothing wrong with an artsy film in itself. There's a certain there's a certain type of people who watch artsiness for the sake of artsiness, who will hear yeah. a film is niche. And they, 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 they're also probably the type of people who watch certain obscure films just so they can mention them in parties. And yeah. kind of among stuff and you can see a person just... like that a mile off um i know people who like artsy films who genuinely like artsy films because of what they do and what they do that's fine that is um, nothing against them and i think artsy films for kind of people that want to go into film stuff are important yeah but i think it's also important to have a balance of kind of cliche those types of films because yeah. they're the films that tend to you know make more box office wise they're the films that if you have that kind of talent to balance both out, you will probably have a better chance, yes. I would say. Yeah. Um, so to those who don't know, we're both wanting to get into film, right? Like we're both yeah. interested in careers in film. Um, and so, yeah, I think I've always gone to say, especially like my interest is writing and directing mostly, is that like yeah. there are certain types of people who want to make a film for like, the cinephile for the film fan for the film student to watch yeah. and say wow that was a masterpiece i want to make one that the film fan would watch and say that was quite sweet i'd like to show that to my mum like that's the yeah. kind of i i, I want to make a nice kind of sweet shut your brain off heartfelt film mm-hmm. uh sometimes yeah. other times stupid comedies and dark thrillers as you know it appears <laughs> but I think for the most part that is, that is kind of it is that I've been very kind of centered around around general audiences and the mainstream yeah. and I think there's a weird taboo about the mainstream by filmmakers like yeah, filmmakers so who want to make films for general audiences it's it's almost as if they've sold out and I don't think that's mm-hmm. the case necessarily no I don't think so because it's like I mean look at films of the likes of Seven for example that we spoke about earlier that is a big budget film for a general audience, not really, you know, like, it's not for film, um, you know, like, arty people, I wouldn't say. But it is such a great film. And it kind of, it has that kind of aspect. I mean, I like thrillers and I like horrors and I like psychological stuff. Um, that's just my type of genre, I think. But I think Seven works well with that. And I think it kind of brings in the general mm. audience. And that's kind of what I would like to do. Stuff like that. Yeah. That so you come out and you think, "Wow, that was clever." Yeah, I. It's, it's never. Yeah. It's never my go-to. I still need to see seven. But among stuff that we've talked about, I you've drawn me into that intrigue and the appeal of people coming out and thinking, "Oh, that was cleverly done. That was well made," which is great. But I, I also, I don't think there's any selling out aspect of a film that can make you laugh or cry. Like that's just a thing. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and um, even if you do it in a really cheesy way if you can get a reaction from the spectator from the audience then you've succeeded in the best yeah. way i've i've once made a film that made people cry and it was a very very weird experience 
Uh, in hindsight, I'm like, oh, that was great. At the actual time, with people coming out of the screening, tears going down their face and thinking, I did that. That does. That's not a good feeling. <laughs> that's quite... A, um, yeah, but it is because you got a certain emotion from them. And I yeah. think that's what film is about. It's getting that kind of emotion from... Like, you want people yeah. to get gain a connection with the characters from the film. And that's because of your directing and writing, etc. And I like that. Yeah, and I think also, obviously, a lot of relationship with cinema is what you bring into the film. So, rom-com... I don't know why I've got appeal with rom-coms, actually. Because I'm not someone who's been in any relationships or anything. I just like them. That doesn't make sense. But a lot of the time, people... You know, it's, it's what you bring in. Your own past, your own views, your own ideas. No, no two people are going to get the same experience out of a film. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that's important in noting. Like, there's no... We can talk, and we will, I'm sure, talk about good and bad movies. But in real life, there's is, no such Actually, thing. this leads to something. This leads to something. So, after every episode, we're, we are potentially going to be giving you a film recommendation that isn't Love, Rosie. Yeah. Just whatever films we've watched this week, we'll talk Just about Just so, them. like, if you're sat down and you're thinking, I have no idea what to watch, this is this is a great place to find out. Yeah. My, I mean, mine is a film, when we get to it, a film which I have, which came out a couple of years ago, everyone was talking about, I didn't get around to seeing until like two days ago. Um, so that's, that's mine. Um, but, um, uh, so sometimes Excite there'll be hear. films you've seen before, other times they may be just random, mm-hmm. obscure, I don't know. I didn't know there'll be any week where we haven't watched a film. I think both of us watch films pretty regularly. Unfortunately, this is probably not very good, but yeah. I watched three films on Saturday. It was a good day. <laughs> it's just like you watch one and then it's like, okay, maybe just one more. And sometimes it's completely unintentional. Like I was watching one with my mm-hmm. with my family and then we went to do something and it was like, oh, let's watch a film together tonight. And then it's like, oh, we got a bit more time. Let's put something else on. And then it's only when I checked my letterbox afterwards, I was like, three films? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, that. That was it. Anyway, let's let's jump back into the let's, let's go back to the film. <laughs> yeah, tangents okay. are normally like really, really funny and jovial, and we've just had a real serious discussion about cinema. It's good. Um, this is what happens okay, so when we, we go, have two people who are the at wedding. the same stage of studying film, where we just mm-hmm. yeah. Our, our knowledge and perspectives are pretty much identical at this point. The thing is, this is the thing, right? When I first began film, I wasn't, you know, I knew I wanted to go into film like last year, maybe this time around last year, but it was to an extent where I was kind of ashamed or embarrassed to say, and I think that's awful because I, I'm yeah. really small school and everything like that. So I think that was awful to like go through. But like now it's kind of become a bigger thing and I'm, I know now that it's something that I really want to try out. So yeah, I'm really passionate about it and I want to do it. So, From what I've heard, your original school was what, a lot more kind of, your your secondary or primary was a lot more kind of academic based and... Oh yeah, 100%. Like if you, you kind of, if you're looked at doing anything other than probably like medicine or law, you know, that kind of route, agriculture, those kind of things, they don't really, they look at it and they just don't really care. That's mm. it. I was lucky to have a secondary school that were very, very supportive with yeah. it, which I think... It's really helpful. I mean, they they held the red carpet premiere for Unstable. They, I was going back through. It never worked out, but I was going back through like back in like year seven or eight. The head teacher asked me to make a zombie film set in the school that they could use for like publicity and stuff. It didn't work <laughs> out, but the other day, um, 
Alex and I were going through old footage because he didn't, he uh, like I'd known when I talk about Alex to the listeners, and I'm not talking about Alex from the film. This he will is, get confusing. He's um, my co-writer yeah. and co-director for yeah. Reduced to Clear, which is an upcoming surrealist comedy short film uh, featuring all-star comedy cast set in a charity shop. Uh, <laughs> donate if you want to, please. Um, and uh, Ellen, you're doing the art direction for one of the scenes for us, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, very yeah. excited. So I was a lot of pressure though. Yeah, I was going with Alex through like the footage of this original zombie movie because you never got it all shot. I'm going through the script, and it was just I, I, I would kind of it hit me at that point where I was like, not many schools would do this, but they just they they saw my passion for film and were like, not only helping me, which was one thing obviously but also they were using that to see how the the school could make its name which i think was i i don't mind i know probably some people might be like oh they're using it for the school thing i think that was great because it might also be that my my secondary was a new school mm-hmm. like it was we were the first but also year there, so you they... were lucky to be able to express the your yeah. ideas and you were you were able to do that i mean i was probably able to but i just didn't have the confidence at that point and i think now i kind of you know i've grown up a little bit and I don't really care. Like I don't. You should never really care about what other people think, unless it's yeah. constructive criticism. Yeah, I think that's it. I think I was lucky to kind of always have the "I don't really care what people think" yeah. response. Yeah, exactly. which it, it felt mm-hmm. weird at that time. I think in secondary, it felt quite odd that it was like, "Here's what everyone else is doing, and here's what I'm doing on the side," and people don't really care. But then it's like suddenly outside of school, outside of college, outside of that, I'm suddenly building my own community and having these other people I'm working with and meeting. And it's just like, it's just a separate world that I've realized. And I think a lot of the people, not everyone, obviously, a lot of people who are so focused on what everyone else thinks and on fitting in and on conforming leave secondary school and their entire identity is who they were at secondary school. So that when they leave they don't have that to fall back on anymore um which i think i think i was lucky because when because obviously i left my old school i called it high school because i'm in wales but uh, you call it secondary which i find so strange but anyway yeah this is um, interesting the fact that yeah like we study at the same college but we literally are recording from two different countries here and it, it, mm-hmm. which sounds a lot more lovely and international than it is it's literally like a 45 minute drive but you know um but yeah i feel like a lot of people that come from where I went to school and like come to where I, go, where I study now, they probably just change as a complete person. They probably find a new identity and they're like, oh, this is me. I was I was actually so trapped in my old school and I think that's what I was a little bit as well. Yeah. I felt a little bit trapped. I planned almost Arden finding a new identity in a way. I don't know why. I just thought, oh, it would be fun. Like people wouldn't know who I am. I could like kind of change the way I am a bit. But then I turned up mm-hmm. and I just realised I'm pretty happy with who I am. And yeah. I think that was that was good. It's a it's a good realization to have, and mm-hmm. I, at least I think so lockdown. Yeah. I know I know. Obviously, it was a, a very awful time for a lot of people, but it was somewhat a blessing in disguise for, I would say myself. I don't. Yeah. I'm not speaking for everybody, but for myself, it was a blessing in disguise, and I, I think that was a real crucial part of my kind of. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> I don't know. What I, it's know called. I know what you uh, mean. Growing up. Yeah. Uh, uh, finding finding myself. Oh, no. yeah. Why is this know, show so serious, but also worthwhile points? I think this is stuff to talk about. Yeah, I think I think it's to say. I think for me, not to bring it down a bit. Lockdown was awful on, on my mental health. <laughs> what was 
was. I don't know that? why. I don't know why. There's certain things <laughs> I say where I roll my R's for no reason. Um, but lo- lockdown was pretty awful on my mental health. Like I hated. Uh, some days, it would literally vary. From some days, it I would feel the most trapped. I'd feel horrible. I'd feel terrible. And then the next mm-hmm. day could be one of the best days I've had in years. Yeah. And it was just so on paper. The idea, the idea though, of just being able to wake up and have nothing kind of i mean obviously a lot of people like structure yeah but someone like me i felt like i was in structure for so long that that time of just not having anything to do was so amazing because i was able to yeah. read more books watch more films just explore different I things i think it was I, very I helpful that. especially for my so i'm i'm dyspraxic which mm-hmm. part of my dyspraxia often is finding a lot of comfort in structure and in format and like so much as it's only little patterns but it's even like as much as and i've got better at it like for example if my family say there's a certain thing we're having for dinner and then partway through the day they change their mind that can make me feel kind of panicked it's it's a kind of i'm that struck stuck into structure and format that lockdown helped me get past that and helped me actually thinking you know what i can have a day where i don't know what i'm gonna do and i just decide on the on the fly and that was mm. that was better i think um and it sounds such a weird thing to love but i loved in lockdown talking to someone and maybe like when i was doing a podcast or whatever and someone says oh you should watch this film and then literally having the ability to as soon as i get off decide well i'll watch it now like yeah. you know even at this point i think if someone said to me oh you need to watch this film i'll write it down i'll put it on a list and i may touch it a couple of weeks from now like it's just yeah. the ability to you just kind of have to plan yeah. when you're going to watch it when you have the time for that space yeah to actually sit down and watch it the ability to just decide wrong. on the spot yeah yeah was was lovely um so yeah, in many ways, especially on paper, if people looked at the fact that I did two minutes about time, I had the whole Elton John thing with my school. I'm not going to keep talking about that. People find it on, I mention it a lot if you're interested. The Elton John thing, uh, I had all these other things. I made some great contacts. I mean, I became in contact with my biggest hero, Richard Curtis, over lockdown. Like people on paper, that looks like, whoa, he must have had a great time. And No, mental health was awful. The worst I've ever had it, but also... In hindsight, I was like, maybe I did have a good time. And as soon as we came out of the free time of lockdown, now we're here and I'm thinking, can we just have it again? Can I just have that free time once more? Because I feel like the lockdown we've just gone through, it's been, well, we're still in it, but like, I don't know. It's so different having, you know, work to do. It's not the same. It's not lockdown that we used to have. And I don't know, I kind of, I do miss it a little bit, I must admit, even though it was for... Mm. Was it like six or seven months? But I think I think yeah that it kind of lies in the fact that this this most recent lockdown, as you said, it's been whilst we've been in college and being set college work. But especially it might just be myself. I have a, a lot of my friends are older than me. A lot of the people I talk with are kind of more adults than people who I go to school or college with. So I'm checking social media. I'm talking to these people. And they're just like, hey, I'm just so bored of all this free time. And I'm like, give some to me, please. <laughs> it's just, oh. Yeah, it's like we're doing, um, we were we were doing one of the, uh, we did an audition thing for Reduce to Clear yesterday. And who, oh, heck, gonna bleep that. He's not been announced yet. Uh, <laughs> and the actor who's playing Mike. <laughs> Shouldn't have known that. I'll just keep my mouth shut. <laughs> I forgot. I, I just, You're gonna start crying now because you ruined it. I said, You've done um, a Tom Holland, <laughs> yeah. Tom Holland thing. 
and blank name name and name redacted who's playing mike i was chatting with him uh because we were doing a a read through and casting you may have seen on the whatsapp group that we have just cast yeah uh we, we, uh, we had her on uh skype uh or zoom whatever to to read through with him to see what their chemistry was like um and i was saying to him and he was like oh thanks for giving me something to do i've had nothing to do for all these days and it's been like You've had nothing to do for all these days, and I had to spend ages trying to find this half-hour slot to do this. <laughs> like, it's just... Oh, it's so weird. Yeah, but you have more time than me. You wrote out most of the transcript for this podcast, and I haven't... I've done one page for this one episode. That's all I've done. Right, so I've been... I, I have... I, th- certain... I think it shows, but... No, I think it's... I think it's fine. I don't think it's... I, I have certain times when I just... I don't know whether you have it. I have, like, shut-off work times... Where it's like, okay, when it gets to like six o'clock, when it gets to whatever, it's like, right, I'm not doing any more work after this. And quite often after that, especially after a day, I don't know if you find this, after a day of busy, busy working, I can't relax. I get quite I get quite anxious, I get quite uncomfortable, quite fidgety at just sitting down and doing nothing. So it's times like that where I'm like, well, I'm going to go up and copy out the transcript for Love, Rosie. Or I'm going to do this, that. I, I have a lot of menial tasks that I just do. Uh, right, we need to get. Yeah, back to love Rosie. Really. We haven't got very much. We haven't got much left to be um, Yeah, I think we've since most of the notes are in this. So, in actual in actuality, we're one minute fifty into our five minutes. Yeah, and to be fair, like we've decided much. to do five minutes because I feel like one minute we don't get enough. Like, where is one minute at the very beginning? It's probably uh, Rosie saying, "Let's go back to the beginning of that bit." And that's one minute, and I don't think that's really enough. So I think five minutes is quite good, but also there's not really much to say. Yeah, in well, the next there'll be times minutes. there'll be times like this where we have big, long conversations and tangents, and there'll be other episodes where we probably it's about twenty minutes long, and we'll just talk yeah. about what's that and that's that. Also, I'm quite happy about the five minute bit because very early in the film, there's that very, very awkward scene that I don't want to spend more than one episode okay, yeah. talking about. Um, yeah. Every every film, I think every MXM show I've known of has had at least one of those scenes that they don't want to talk about. Um, and for me that's mm-hmm. for me that's it um but yeah i'm sure there'll still be stuff to say when we get to well, that. i mean it was quite difficult to avoid in the room yes happened quite a few everywhere. times it was quite a tough oh. it, it's probably why i've lost why i don't have the crown for most guest spots but anyway uh, so, so we have the shot of her back in the wedding the very very first shot is kind of repeated isn't it mm-hmm. um and then it do you want to say the trans? Do you want to read out? Yeah, she says, uh, oh, "Tell them that this, this is, that this has that to this be." Has to be. And everybody, everybody. <laughs> one of the happiest days, happiest days of my life. life. And then on the screen comes the words, "One of the happiest." What days accent of my life. was that? <laughs> I don't know. It's like somehow, has as a British be. person, I did a worse British accent than the American. Then Rosie. <laughs> then uh, Lily Collins. Anyway. But yeah, it's. Mm. But that's what she says, and then the words come on screen. One of the happiest days of my life, and then we get a shot of her mm-hmm. crying, and it's all we're all here watching. Oh, yeah, we have that really quick shot of her crying, and we're like, oh, okay, uh, interesting. But then we don't really think about it. I wouldn't say that's something you think about much, because it smack bang when she's eighteen in a club with. Do you want? Do you want to say the music, or should I say Beyonce? I pay? Yeah, yeah. Crazy Right Now, which was first released yep. in May 2003, written by Rick Harrison, Beyonce Knowles, Eugene Record, and Sean Carter. I, that's just, I don't know many of those names. <laughs> I, I know of Beyonce. Maybe some of them will know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, 
But in all fairness, that, that this was of... like nearly a year before both of us were born that this song came out. Yeah. So. And it's like, it when it begins, this uh, club scene, it's very kind of, it jumps from such a strange beginning to this is, I, I feel like that is the beginning, the club bit. That's what we yeah. get from the very beginning. The and... first bit is a bit, a bit random, to be honest, but it works. I think it all kind of comes together. Yeah, on paper, I don't get why they have a lot of these, like, probably the first three minutes or so of the film. Yeah. But it works. So we've got 12 years yeah, earlier. Yeah, I think it works. Rosie's 18th birthday, and then says afterwards, most of which she was too drunk to remember. Um, so we, we what we're going to get in a moment is, well, there's hardly any dialogue to say. You just hear party girls going, shots, yay, Beyonce, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Rosie goes, woo, quite a long, she, she, she does a pretty long woo. Um, and uh, Alex and Rosie kiss, she slips and falls. And so part of me is wondering, what do you think about the decision to actually feature this in the film? Do you think it would be more effective, the ending when he actually reveals to her about the fact that they kissed if we didn't know that they'd kissed already or do you think it's an important setup for us to know oh i think i think it's important to know but i feel like as well like it's quite difficult because we already kind of know that that something between them two is going to happen because obviously the beginning with them holding hands in the den yeah but at this point we i think it is important i think it works but at this point we we haven't met sam claflin as Alex. Mm, that, that's true. the first time we see Cla- Sam Claflin. So it might just be me being kind of really stupid when I first saw this. But I completely forgot about this sequence, like, very so shortly is it into Sam the film. Cla- is it Sam Claflin or Sam Claflin? I don't know. I, I could have been saying it wrong. Let me check. I don't know. I think it's Sam Cla- Claflin. It is Claf. Hang on. I, I just read it as both at the same time. Let me. I need to <laughs> read. Uh, there is an extra L. Yeah, Claflin. Oh, is it? Okay. So. Oh, well, I've been saying it I've, I've, I've said Claflin for ages, and then for some reason I decided to jump to Claflin today, and it turns out that's right. So, proud of that mm. one. Um, okay, Sam Claflin from now on. But, Sorry. Yeah, this is this is the one. first time we've seen Sam Claflin in the in the film. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know Again, like, it's... it is a very random just yeah. smack bang in there. I don't like know the whether other it's scenes. me like just being crying. stupid, but I completely forgot about this sequence when, like, very shortly into the rest of the film. So for most oh, of the film, you? I couldn't rem- like first time I saw this. For most of the film, I didn't remember that they'd kissed, and so it worked for me as a kind. And I'm I'm assuming it's probably been the same for a lot of people that at this point we don't actually know the relevance. We don't know that he's Alex. Mm-hmm. But then again, like, do you think we should have seen it from Rosie's point of view, where we shouldn't have known? I think I because we are following Rosie. We're not following Sam. I uh, think I would have preferred Alex. it like that. Like the the book works yeah. like that, and yeah. I I really really like that. There's also some pretty exciting and shocking discoveries in that in the book that's I'm not going to talk about. But there were genuine moments where I was listening to it while I was out on a walk, and I was like, "Whoa, no way!" <laughs> I think yeah, I audibly I... at points went, "What?" And which I'm glad no one was around me <laughs> on my on my walks when I'm just randomly in genuine shock. So there are certain just, reveals <laughs> which I think this would have been, and I I am I'm just you know it would be a very an annoying moment where it's like if you know say someone I haven't spoken to for to years suddenly comes past me and it's like oh what are you listening to oh it's just this this romance novel you know it's, <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just random things going on yeah uh, but yeah it's um. I found it quite uh, interesting. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So maybe we come to the conclusion that we didn't really need to see that scene. 
I th- I don't think we do. But then I quite I quite like the you know the music, and kind of like the upbeatness from what we previously see, like saw. Yeah, I like the I like I the like craziness that. of it, but mm-hmm. I also like the fact that sure, like in hindsight, and you know you probably did when you first saw it because you probably paid more attention than I did. Like you you go oh that's there's Alex there, but to me it it could just be a ran- at this point it could just be a random bloke. At, at the party true so when true. we so at no no point of me at this point goes i need to remember who that guy is so even when he pops up in the next scene i've already but decided to forget like... him from the previous scene see i find that interesting because when i watched it it's like it's it's them two together all the time so i assumed that it was them two because yeah, it said you know the 12 years um earlier i just assumed that it was them two and i think uh, maybe a few people did that and a few people didn't yeah um, I so could also accept that they, it, it could. The first scene could have literally occurred. Like I could have got a text on my phone and just checked it for a second and missed yeah. it. You know, there could be whole manner of things that I can't remember. But I remember w- when I watched the second time, being like, "Oh, okay," and that that was. <laughs> so I liked that. Um, so uh, and I think it's they've done a very good job of of aging the actors twelve years without actually changing like much of what they look look like like it's just slightly different haircuts at points and mm-hmm. just the way in which they carry themselves works I, really so well. the interview the interview um of uh lily collins her interview about this film was saying how she had no perspective uh because it was basically them growing up wasn't it mm. so they're obviously aging but she was saying how she was getting um kind of things from her mum and she was like learning how her mum was walking and certain things like that that made her seem older which I thought was really interesting because normally they do just use uh, what are they called pros- prosthetics. Prosthetics, yeah. Prosthetics, I mean, yeah. about about time does the same thing. They change the way they dress, they change the way they do their hair, and carry themselves yeah. around. And, and you just instantly you just, yeah, feel as if you just yeah. feel as if you've you've, you've I, moved on. I with thought them. that was really interesting because it's something you don't really acknowledge. Hmm. And I remember Lily Collins said on one of the interviews that like this for her career was quite beneficial because she'd only ever been playing like teenager characters. So for her to start as a teenager and then grow up suddenly means that yeah. prospective casting directors are watching it and seeing that she can play someone in her 30s. She can play someone, yeah. you know, which I think is great. Yeah, she did say that, didn't she? Yeah. Um, which, yeah, would have probably... I think that is probably why most of her better films came after Love, Rosie. So you've got films like Tolkien. They came after... Love Rosie. Um, what other ones is she in? Extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. With um, Zac Efron, she yeah. plays an older woman in that. I'm just gonna go and have a look and realize how embarrassingly I probably don't know any of these. I watched about half through Emily in Paris, and I didn't. I, I didn't watch didn't Emily in Paris. Really but like she it. seems quite young in that. She seems. Yeah, quite, I like, think so. I feel like she would have been probably around. 20 as a character, the character would have been around 20-ish. Mm. Yeah. Well, Emily in Paris was 20s. really, really big, wasn't it? Mm. Like, I mean, it was nominated for an Emmy. Which, not an Emmy. A Golden, uh, Globe. Golden Globe. Which, I, admittedly, I think was stupid. Because <laughs> it was fine. Mm. But it was very much a kind of shut your brain off and watch thing. Which I like, but it, it's one of those shows which I started watching, but then when something else came along... That I like, I decided to watch a film or start another series partway through. I I had no, I had no decision or idea to go back. I couldn't care less. 
but people liked it. it it came at a right time with lockdown and people just wanting general nice stuff to watch um we're just going through IMDb. I forget, of course, with her being Fontaine and Les Mis and how Fontaine dies in episode three. She's only in three episodes. Oh. Um, <laughs> but she's the centre of all the advertising. It's like literally Valjean and Javert are the two leads, but Lily Collins is in the middle of the poster because yeah. she's the name that sells, I guess. Um, I, yeah, she. that's what I mean. Like Maybe her name became a lot bigger after that. But then she was in quite big films before Love, Rosie, so I really don't know. The advertising must have been really low. Yeah, I feel like she's only just becoming a household name, though. Like, she's in loads Um, of really big stuff, but I feel like people aren't really, like, talking about... Yeah, I think she's only really been noticed in Emily in Paris, which is strange. Yeah, because Mirror, Mirror, I remember that movie, but I wouldn't have been able to have told you that Lily Collins was in it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And she's, she's Snow White, I should know that, but... Yeah, but then Sam Claflin, uh, Claflin, sorry, is in um, another Snow White film, isn't he? Oh, maybe. I think he is. I think I know which and one you're they, talking they, about. And I don't think it was the same film. It's just. Yeah, I think I know which one you're talking about. Where I want to double check. Um, I'm not sure what it's called. Sorry. Snow White and the Huntsman. Yeah, he was. Yeah. I still haven't seen that. I remember that being quite a big deal when it came out. I think. I don't. It wasn't that good. I don't think, from what I can remember. And, of course, we can't talk about Sam Claflin without talking about me before you. Oh, yeah. To be honest, I thought that was Lily Collins, but it wasn't. No. I had to check. I was like, wait, it's not Lily Collins. No. <laughs> I know what you on? mean. There's Because me before you was on TV the other day, and my mum was like, is that the woman from Love, Rosie? And I was like, it's the guy from Love, Rosie? But no. Yeah, that's what I mean. They look like, from the, the, the profile. Yeah. Uh, what's it called? The uh, poster picture. It They look similar. You've seen me before you, right? What do you, what did you think? Um, um, hmm. it's a difficult one. Yeah. Yeah, First time to... round, I really liked it, but upon rewatch, I was like, "It's fine." <laughs> like it's it doesn't. Um, I think I enjoyed it. Um, I, I can't really remember to be honest. It was so long ago. I don't think it's a film I'd rewatch. Probably that's probably why I don't remember it. That's but fair. I think it was quite a sweet film. Yeah. That's that's um, yeah. Very sad. The ending was sad, I think. Mm. But yeah, for some reason, I really liked it when it first came out, and I read the book, and I read the sequel. There's a, a third one. Read the... There's a third one which I have not read, and I own at some point. I think I picked it up in a charity shop once, but I have no real intention in reading it. But mm-hmm. I remember really liking it. But I don't. Re- in, in hindsight, I don't really know why. It's very kind of tropey. It's one of those films that's pretty much exactly what you expect it to be. But then, yeah. I guess Love, Rosie kind of is. There's no big surprise, but weirdly, this works. They're very, they are very similar films, I'd say. Um, right. Anyway. So, Love, Rosie. <laughs> so uh, we are actually coming to the end of the sequence. Yeah, we've um, just got the, the main bunch of dialogue. I would say this is the main bit now, and it's probably the most interesting. Yeah. In this sequence. I wrote on the transcript, think... brother, question mark, because I'm not quite sure right. who speaks. This, this is the thing. Do the brothers get names? Because that obviously you said they that they're do, named they, in the, they, the they uh, cast at the end. In the cast list, but yeah. I don't think they said by. I, just, I don't think, I, don't think I ever, I've ever heard their names. I'm not sure. Let us know if you've seen the film yeah. and you've heard their names. Because if it, it, I mean, it will, it will come up and it'll come up in the transcript if we do hear them at some point. But yeah, they're credited as Gary and Joey Dunn. So to go back to the book, such random names. Yeah, to go back to the book, there is one brother called Kevin. 
but she has a sister called Stephanie, an older sister. So it's interesting that that's when they decided to change because the brothers aren't really that big characters for it to be a, any worthwhile decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it really matters. But it's, it's, it's weird how they're never named, but yet they're named in the cast. Yeah. Which... I find. Because that's quite difficult to identify. Why don't they just put her brothers or siblings? Yeah. Well, it's like the the, the teacher is credited as Miss Casey in the cast. But that makes sense to me. It's like, okay, she's named in the book. So, sure, Mm -hmm. that's fine. But when they've just made up character names, it's odd. It's very strange. Yeah, it Um, is odd. Because it took me a while in the credits to realise, I guess they're the brothers then? Like, it took... Mm -hmm. It was, yeah, but... um... Like, you only really care about, you know, the the set people. So you've got Ruby, you've got Lily, uh, sorry, Rosie and Alex. And I would say they're the only really pe- like they're the people you care maybe, about. And maybe maybe Rosie's Bethany, Bethany and Sally as well. Maybe uh, maybe mm, yeah, Bethany and Sally maybe. And but, then I guess um, yeah. Sally's to t- to be uh, dad. Yeah, you can cut that bit out because I don't. Know. Who was his name? Jose. Jose. Jose might be. It's something like Jose. that. It's uh yeah, we'll get there. We'll talk herb. about it. Herb, it's herb. herb. It's herb. <laughs> <laughs> but she she says herb, doesn't she? Like she says it. She herb. kind of gets rid of herb. the. Weirdly, yeah. her getting rid of the H makes it sound posher. She's just, herb. Herb. It's happening, the baby. It's coming. Yeah, yeah. I can't say it. Yeah. Right, we'll, we can uh, we can cut all that out. We'll, we'll that... get to that when we get to that. Um, yeah, we we can cut me saying all that. That's fine. Um, uh, okay, so hi, Rosie Alex. wakes up uh, sorry, in her yeah, bed. Rosie wakes up in bed. We hear muffled yeah. voices of "Hi, Alex, how's it going, mate? All right, it's Alex." And then we cut to Alex, but it's the mother there now. But I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it wasn't the mother who was talking to him at first. I'm pretty sure it's one of the brothers. Um, and this is when this is when like someone like where you watched it and you didn't realize that that was Alex and Rosie. In the club, that's when you kind of realise it yeah. is. And he yeah. says, um, "It's totally my fault. The whole thing." Oh, I'd love to believe you, Alex. I really would. I just happen to know my own daughter. Fine doctor, you're going to make if this is how you carry on. Um, and then Rosie, I just want to yeah, say you, this bit. You, you, well, you, you can read. Why Rosie is everybody shouting? She she says it like really sweet. I don't know. Why is everybody shouting? I'm so embarrassed about last night. No, no, don't, you don't have to be. <laughs> Oh, I behaved so badly. Ah! Bad can be good too. Good? It was awful. Oh, I feel sick even thinking about it. I think by this point, instantly, we're already feeling so bad for Alex. (laughs) Yeah, because we're like, we're feeling the pain Alex goes through. Maybe they did that. Maybe that's the reason, that's the reaction they wanted. Maybe we needed to align with Alex at this point. Yeah. But I don't know. But then anyway. we're not aligning with Alex at any other point. We're supposed to align but, with Rosie. I know we're so, supposed to align with Rosie, but perhaps we're supposed to kind of get the thing that Alex likes her back. So he kind of yeah, all through that, we're, we're, that our thoughts are secure. Yeah. Like, we're secure then for the whole film that they like each other. And it's not like, does he like her? Does he not? Do you know what I mean? Because for the most part, we're watching the film in a very kind of restricted narrative. Yeah. For the most part. It's where we get all filmy. Um, but... Uh, but the fact that we know what happened last night and Rosie doesn't creates a sort of dramatic irony. But mm-hmm. 
The thing is, at this point, whilst the caption did come up saying most of which Rosie doesn't remember, we don't until the end actually realise that Rosie doesn't remember this. Yeah. I think, I think, you know what, I think we've hit the nail on the head there. Mm. I think we were supposed to align with Alex at this this stage to kind of get the, the balance. And then we do bounce back to, but maybe, maybe that's what makes this rom-com work best, is the fact that we've got the two characters to align to. So whilst the film is very Rosie-centred, and we are seeing it mostly through Rosie's eyes. We get enough of Alex that maybe maybe allows the male audience to connect more. Because I yeah. know myself, as a rom-com fan, I don't get anything out of Bridget Jones. Because I can't relate to Bridget Jones. Yeah. I with think that, that is... this alignment with Alex, yeah. I'm getting something out of the film. Because I'm even when I'm not seeing Alex, I'm feeling sorry or connecting with the concept of Alex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that works. Um, so yeah, maybe, so maybe, yeah, maybe it was because of that. Maybe a lot of thought went through it. Like, which part? All of it. It never happened. Alex, okay, you can't, you can't tell anyone. Oh, I'm feeling reading this. I'm feeling so sorry for Alex. It's just because mm-hmm. oh. you just know his pain. Maybe this is this is why that scene was in. We wouldn't have had maybe, the same. Yeah. Maybe. It's and uh, the brothers then come in. Rosie had her stomach pumped. Rosie had her stomach pumped. Rosie had her stomach, and she could go, go, go. Obviously, well, she doesn't shout it like like a race. I should do that again. Feel- <laughs> She's like, go, go, and um, she asks. Oh, sorry. I thought it'd be more like get out or yeah. like something more like that than go, go, go. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I'm <laughs> I can't remember how she delivers it in the film. My notes just say go, 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 and I can't say that without it sounding like an enthusiastic start of a race. Like, I can't. <laughs> but um, obviously, they'll hear the audio of Rosie saying it. Rosie had a stomach pump! Rosie had a stomach pump! Rosie had a stomach pump! Oh. Um, she says, How did we get home from the hospital? Uh, Mum picked this up. They needed a parent's name, so obviously, I didn't want to give you yours. And she thinks it's my fault anyway. You have terrible influence, blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, you are. And he's and we finish it with him and saying, now, so now I have to spend, spend two hours, hours in the library, in Ev. And that's the end of our five minutes. I think we should just finish that sentence. Every day sentence. for a fortnight. There we go. And then that kind of leads us on to, oh, what's he, what's he talking about? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the end of the... The first oh, I think minutes, this does work okay. really well in five minute chunks, actually. I'm sold on this. <laughs> okay, so that's the end of the five minutes, and I'm intrigued. I, I want to carry on watching it. Do you want to carry on watching it? I think I think I will. I think, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I... I kind of want to carry on watching the film from this. From yeah, this having seen the film multiple times before, at the end of this, I'm like, okay, I'm in, I'm invested, I want to watch it again. I watch it again, <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but now we are going to say our films of the week. Yeah, so, so if you, wanna, you are you, you wondering what first? film to watch, <laughs> yeah. okay, I haven't actually thought of it, so I'm just going to come up with it on the spot. But I watched it recently, and it was called The Invisible Man, and it was the new one. Um, I don't know much about it. I couldn't tell you the cast. I couldn't tell you the director. Blah blah blah. Because I haven't looked into it that much. It's just come to my my mind right now. But um, I think the cinematography was very clever in that film. Kept you on edge, and I liked that. But I would say as a whole. Not a film you'd watch again, but it was a very interesting film to watch, and I highly recommend you go watch it if you haven't got anything else, anything else to pop on. Okay, Brilliant. it's on Now TV if you're wondering. That's good. Yeah, it's it's good yeah. to know the streaming stuff for it. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
for me, I hinted at mine earlier by saying it was one that like everyone watched a couple of years ago. I missed out on, and I kept meaning to. So this weekend, I finally watched Jojo Rabbit. Oh wow! Um, Did you I, like it? I really, really liked it. Like I came it out of it being film. like, it's funny. that was really well done. I think it was. Yeah. I think it was very brave to make mm-hmm. a film in which, whilst the message was clear, it was mm-hmm. also kind of trusting the audience to understand it like being able to portray it nazi propaganda wrong, yeah yeah and but it was done brilliantly yeah. i'm i'm admittedly not that familiar with takawatiti's work but i want to be now i've come out yeah, like, i've gone on good. i've gone through his like imd his letterbox standard whatever and like added all of them to my watch list like mm-hmm. i need to see because um, that that got me really on board so both of our films may be being quite recent, maybe ones that the listeners have actually seen, but if they haven't, you might, yeah, and yeah, check them out. Jojo Rabbit is a good film. You probably have seen it. Luke was just a bit late on to that one. Yeah. I was late on to The Invisible Man. But if you haven't seen those, go check them out because they are good films. Oh, so yeah. That's good. I'm just looking on Letterboxd and my friends seem to have given The Invisible Man like four and five stars. So that's, that's good. Yeah, I'll... I think it is down to... The cinematography of the film. Okay, so you've got um, Elizabeth Moss in it, and she's main. And then you've got um, Oliver Jackson Cohen in The Invisible Man. You've got some great actors in this film, um, and it is a thriller slash horror, which I wouldn't really. It's not that. It's not that scary. It's a little. I wouldn't even say it's that jumpy because you're expecting it because the camera directs you to expect it all the time which I like, but it still adds that. So it's just very tense. Highly recommend go watch it. Just go watch it. Okay, so potentially we may do this. We may bounce between questions that we ask and different games or whatever, but I, I think either way we're going to have something fun or interesting that we talk about at the mm-hmm. very end. Um, so I, I put a post out on the, movie, on the Minute Makers and Listeners Movie by Minute Master Group on Facebook, which is just for anyone who's on Facebook who is either a listener or a host of a Move by Minute show. Um, and I said, so tomorrow we record the first episode of the new MXM project and I thought it'd be worth asking, what do you look for in the first episode of a show and what makes you want to continue listening? And I'm not going to read out the names of these people because I didn't actually tell them that I was going to read it out. I came up with this idea about five minutes ago. Um, so... Um, one person said, good chemistry between hosts is always important to me. Talking about how much you l- enjoy the movie is a plus two. So essentially, the good ke- if, if we've got good chemistry talking, it doesn't matter about the film. And I think that's good because we've had tangents <laughs> a lot today. Mm-hmm. Um, editing. Not too little, not too much. As a listener, it can be a bit frustrating when it feels there's too many in-jokes and the hosts are more into cracking each other up than making the listener feel part of the discussion. Also, modesty is good, but maybe fight the natural tendency to be too self-deprecating. And if you're doing a relatively niche film, then whoever's trying to whoever's trying you out will already be on your side. You don't have to come across like you're trying hard to win them over, I guess. I think that was quite good advice. So Yeah, that's good advice. There you good go. Advice. We 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 could have a call out question that we ask <laughs> we ask all our listeners to answer now. Uh, but I don't know. Do we is there any question in relation to these five minutes that we could we could ask our listeners to respond how to How long? How long is an appropriate episode for you guys? How long do you want to listen for? 20 minutes? 40 minutes? Yeah, this episode, one's probably, or do you want a mixture? Yeah, like, this one's what? probably this going to be, be long quite one. long. But this is a pilot. Yeah. That's to be expected. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, a good, that's a good question. How long should episode lengths be? And uh, we'll or throw that up. how long are you willing to listen to? Like, for, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 
in link to that thank you if you're still listening this far uh we appreciate it um it's a fun and strange journey in the world of mxm i assume many people listening are um I should. I. I don't know whether I've explained it. The abbreviation MXM to the listeners who might not know, if this is your first MXM show, is just movies by minutes. This kind of breaking down, analysing. So when I say MXM, that's just what I mean to anyone mm-hmm. listening. Um, to this, I imagine a lot of people listening to this are MXM hosts or guests, but there'll be some who aren't. So if you're, if this is your first MXM show, then thanks for listening. Huge thanks to Pete and Alex from the Star Wars Minute that started this whole format and created this community. Um, and yeah, it's just welcome to this really fun to world. Be in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm I'm glad that we. I'm trying to think how, how when did we how and why did we start talking about doing this? I was trying uh, to track this down. I don't know. I think I've always wanted to. Do a- I've always wanted to do a podcast. And then you mentioned the Love Actually podcast that you do. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I told you to watch Love Rosie and you are like, I want to do a podcast. And I was like, okay, I'll do it with you. And I think that, that was, was it. it. Yeah, it wasn't like me trying to persuade you into podcasting or you particularly saying, mm. I'd like to... It was just like things just aligned and it was just like... like yeah. It was like one minute we were talking and the next minute it was like, okay, I guess this is booked out and we're doing this now. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty really? good. So... Um, now we've got to figure out how we end <laughs> socials and all that so if you want to follow us anywhere uh, the main account is at love rosie pod is that right yeah at, yes. love rosie, at love rosie pod on instagram and twitter and, and facebook and twitter and facebook so you can go follow those um, keep up with the, uh, the regular updates on that um, and then do you want to email put emails in yeah that's email. just love rosie pod at gmail.com get in touch yeah. and we may if you Very say something simple. nice we may read it out we may talk about something you want email us if you want to chat maybe <laughs> maybe we'll yeah. just, just have a chat if with you, you if you just want someone to chat see yeah yeah always here We're, uh, <laughs> um yeah so um, that's that's it really and, I mean, is there any any of your socials people want to find you directly um you can do i'm pretty sure you'll i'll just be tagged on the love rosie pod so it'll probably just be easier if you go check that out um and to keep keep mine brief, I'm also tagged there or all my other stuff they can find at lukeallen.co.uk. Um, I'm really trying to trim down that big chunky thing that you've heard me say yeah. to everyone. lukeallen.co.uk, everything's there. Fab. Should we finish it saying like, I'm your host, Ellen Asprey. Thank you for listening. Bye. Sure. Yeah. Why the heck not? No, no. Let's yeah. not do that. Let's not do that. No, 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 no. Thank you guys for listening. Bye. Toodle pip. Oh, no. No. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> right. right, I'm going I'm I'm to stop recording. Yeah, I'm okay. stop this recording. Thank you, Bye. The Love Rosie podcast theme is performed by Ethan O'Mahony and is a cover of Reprise from the Love Rosie soundtrack, originally composed by Ralph Reganmayer. The Love Rosie podcast is produced by Bottle Productions and is distributed by Lemon Drop Studio. For more podcasts and blogs, visit lemondrops.com. <laughs>